This is Friday, the 26th of March, and we're going to be discussing today and trying to grasp our deep need for this higher Christian life. Some of the problems that we face in embracing this life is the fact that we don't know anybody who has. Pretty much everybody is in the same lukewarm kind of morass that we're in, just going through the motions and having highs and having lows, but living anything other than an abundant life in Christ. And since we don't know any of the great heroes of old who have lived these over-the-top spiritual lives and can encourage us and move us on to fervency in Christ— and since we pretty much have decided that lukewarmness is the way things are today, and I guess that's okay with us, that it's really hard to foster inside of us whatever's necessary to move beyond where we're at, to go to a place that we've never been or that we don't personally know anybody who's ever been there. It's like... When God told Abraham to leave his family and his friends and Earl the Chaldees and, and to go into the land that I will show you. Well, where is it? Well, I'll show you when you get there. Well, how far is it? Well, I'll tell you when you get there. How will I know when I'm there? Well, I'll let you know at that point in time. I mean, that's ultimate faith. And it also takes a tremendous amount of faith for each of us to let go of the things we have to let go of in order to embrace this higher Christian life that defies explanation, but still seems just beyond our fingertips. So let's go ahead and get started and see what we can discover about that today. As we've shared in the past, one of the key verses for understanding the higher Christian life and what it means to receive the Spirit in all his fullness is found in a dialogue Jesus had in John chapter 7, basically verses 37 through 39. And here's what it says. On the last day, that day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, it's almost like he just stood up in this crowd and began bellowing out this truth to all the people who were gathered there. Doesn't sound like this was a quiet conversation. He didn't whisper it to them. They didn't have a coffee at some coffee shop and discuss these matters. He stood up on the last day of this great feast and cried out and said this, if anyone thirsts, if anyone has a need, if anyone feels that there's something they're missing, let him come to me and drink. In other words, if you have a thirst, come to me and drink, had he used different imagery. If you have a hunger, come to me and eat. If you are blind, come to me and see. Whatever your need is, I have the satisfaction of that need. If you thirst, come to me and drink. Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water water. Not just water, but living water. It's the Holy Spirit bellowing up inside of you that flows out, not only blessing you, but from you and from him inside of you, pouring out and nourishing those around you. This higher Christian life allows other people to see more of Jesus in you than ever before. This surrendered life, this yielded life to him, allows him to, with his power, to move in ways that we can't even imagine. 
one of the testimonies from all these people that have shared what this higher Christian life is all about. Again, the one I always use from Dwight L. Moody. The sermons are the same. I'm not communicating any new truth of Scripture, but now hundreds are getting saved. Well, you worked just as hard before and preached exactly the same message, and a few people were saved, and now you're doing just the same thing, preaching exactly the same messages, and hundreds are being saved, and the only difference is it's the Holy Spirit working in you, the power of conviction flowing through you, rivers of living water. And just so that we would understand what he was referring to, It says this in verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would, future tense, would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But today, the Holy Spirit is now given, and Jesus is now glorified. So what does that say about our current need for the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this higher Christian life, even though the Holy Spirit now resides in us as a deposit, as our guarantee of our future inheritance in Christ, as the thread that lets us know that we are truly saved? Before we can understand why we have a need and why we need the higher Christian life, we first must come to an understanding and an appreciation of the anemic, apathetic, sad state that the church is in today. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about an institution. I'm talking about the body of believers that make up the church. You and I are members of his church, and his church is just a collective body of those individuals who make up that church. If the church is apostate, for example, it means the individual members of his church are apostate. And if the church is on fire and full of revival, it doesn't mean some entity is full of revival. It means that the individual members, you and I, that make up the conglomerate mass known as the church are individually full of revival. Hence, the body is also revived. So when we look at the church today, anemic, apathetic, kind of sad, We have to realize that it's that way because you and I as individual believers in our own spiritual lives are somewhat anemic, somewhat apathetic, and compared to what Christ wants us to be, it's it's kind of sad. And once we're able to realize and appreciate and believe and appropriate that church in our own life, then when we see the need, we have the unction to be able to do what's necessary to achieve this higher Christian life and throw off our anemia and embrace him in all his vibrancy. I mean, let me be quite honest with you. Our actions never outrun our faith. You've heard the old adage, you are what you eat. Well, it's equally true that you only do what you think you should or can do. If we can't conceive it, and don't think it's necessary, we don't even get off the sofa. 
or as Solomon once said in Proverbs 23, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This truth became really apparent to me years ago when I watched for the first time Facing the Giants, which happens to be my favorite movie. And in that particular scene, this young boy misses a field goal, his father's in a wheelchair and, and comes back and is very discouraged. I don't know why they even let me play. I'm not any good. I can't even kick the ball straight. And his father said, your actions will always follow your beliefs. And if you accept defeat, then that's what you'll get. Defeat. That truth is not just for movies and not just for football. It also applies to our spiritual lives. So in order for us to understand the need, and once we, once we realize we have a need, then we're willing to pay the price to get that need satisfied. As we talked about a couple days ago, the, one of the reasons why many people never achieve the higher Christian life is because they won't count the cost and they don't have the desire. But once that need is there, that hunger is there, that thirst is there, then we somehow find what's necessary to muster up that desire and pay whatever cost is necessary to have that need satisfied, to embrace the higher Christian life. So for today, kind of a preparation for Sunday sermon, just to help you understand what the true need is for the church. And by definition, you and me as individual members of his church, there are six truth statements I want to share with you regarding the higher Christian life and the condition of the church. Six statements. And these six statements not only apply to a church conglomerate, but they basically apply to you and I as individuals. And once we accept the reality and the consequences of our current state, then we can begin to move forward from spiritual apathy to spiritual abundance, and we can embrace the higher Christian life no matter what the cost and literally no matter how long it takes. So what I'm going to share with you are six statements that were made about the church in the 1870s, in the middle of the Philadelphia church age, in the midst of an incredible revival. And if these statements were true of the church back then, and we have fallen so far from that high point, you can imagine how apropos these statements are for us today. It's like these six statements on double steroids. So as I read these to you, share just a little bit about them. I need you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, do I believe that is true? Do I really see a need that it's communicating in my life? And number two, if so, what are you prepared to do about it? Let me close with these six needs. Number one, it is the will of God for every one of his children that they live entirely and unceasingly under the control of the Holy Spirit. Every one of his children includes you and includes me. That is God's will. Do you agree? Do you believe that that's true? And if so, if we're not living entirely and unceasingly under the control of the Holy Spirit, what are we prepared to do about it? Number two, without a believer, you and I, being filled with the Spirit, it is impossible, impossible for an individual Christian or a church to ever live or work as God desires. Is that true? Well, 
John chapter 15 says that without me, you can do nothing. And everything that we do outside of the empowering of the Holy Spirit and him doing it through us is just in our self fleshly efforts. There's so much of Christianity today being promoted in the flesh when God wants to do incredible things if we just get out of the way and let him work through us. If you believe this is true, without a believer, without you and me being filled with the Spirit, it is impossible for us individually or as a church to ever live or work as God intended and desired. And if so, what are we prepared to do about it? Number three, in the life and experience of Christians, this blessing is little used and little searched for. We don't hear sermons about it. We don't hear people talking about how much more they need the Holy Spirit in order to live an abundant life. We're pretty much satisfied where we are right now. It's like in the book of Revelation, a description of our church age. To us, we are rich and wealthy and need nothing. And God sees this dearth of spirit in our life and says, don't you realize from his perspective, we are poor and blind and wretched and miserable. And if so, what are we prepared to do about it? Number four, God waits to give us this blessing. And in our faith, we may expect it with the greatest confidence we live in a microwave society. I put something in the microwave, I push 30 seconds and it better be hot. If I have to wait like a crock pot for hours for it to cook, I don't have time for that. Every television show is all the drama and all the conflict is all resolved in 30 minutes, maybe an hour, go to a movie at least no longer than two hours. Why would I wait for anything? But sometimes God wants us to wait for this blessing. And if we, as we are waiting for this blessing, the one thing we can be assured of is that we can expect God to follow through and give us what we're waiting for with the greatest confidence, because that's who God is. If you, Book of Luke, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to his children? Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Pay the price. Number five, the self-life and the world hinder and usurp the place that Christ ought to occupy. We know this is true by just having conversations with other Christians. They talk about their kids. They'll talk about football. They'll talk about business. They'll talk about everything, but never the things of God. Because we talk about the things of God. They're not first and foremost on our mind. We just sprinkle God in our life as we're trying to thrive for our best life now in this Laodicean church age. And you know it's true. And I know it's true. And the hardest part of this higher Christian life is to walk away from everything that we feel good about to embrace something that we're not so sure about. Number six, we cannot, cannot, and we will deal with this next week, we cannot be filled with the Spirit until we are prepared to yield ourselves to be led by the Lord Jesus which means to forsake and sacrifice everything for this pearl of great price. 
this pearl of great price. One of the reasons why we don't seek it is because we haven't really understood our need. And my hope today is you will pray and you will realize that there's more to this Christian life than you're experiencing. This is not the abundant life that God has promised you. The abundant life is, as it says in Ephesians, exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can ask or think. But it begins with a desire in you and in me. And I want to close with this. This is probably the most encouraging truth that has come from the lips of all those people who have and are currently experiencing the higher Christian life and have devoted their life to be well-pleasing to God. And that encouraging word is simply this, as we trek on in this progress, in this journey of Christ-likeness. God never places a desire in the heart of his children that he will not ultimately fulfill. That's not who God is. If God has placed a desire in your heart for the higher Christian life, for more of him, for his Holy Spirit just oozing out of every pore in your body, he will fulfill that in you if you simply don't give up. Be encouraged Because if he placed that desire there, a desire that honors him, he will fulfill it in his time. I hope this has been a blessing for you this week. I hope as we move into the weekend and we get ready to worship on Sunday, that you will come hungry to understand more about the Holy Spirit, understand more about the higher Christian life. Maybe just take a couple steps forward when it comes to seeking it like you sought nothing else in your entire life. Because God will fulfill his promise and you will experience heaven on earth. Hope it's been a blessing to you. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Until then.